0: Okay, so Adley Rutschman didn't win the Home Run Derby, and he didn't even advance to the second round. But it kind of feels like he deserved to, right? Because Adley, even in just one round of the Derby on Monday night, put on a show for the fans in Seattle. We'll break it all down, plus take a look at the Orioles' Day 2 draft picks coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are locked on Orioles. Your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, July 11th, 2023. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap Adley Rutschman's tremendous performance in the Home Run Derby on Monday night. Yeah, he didn't make it out of the first round, but he had the third best first round out of anybody. He was awesome. He hit from the left and right sides. We'll talk about how cool it was to see Adley do that in the Derby on Monday night. Then, I will break down the Orioles draft picks in rounds two through ten. That includes... All of their picks on Monday's day two of the draft and the two later picks that they made Sunday night that I didn't get to on Monday's episode. Guys like Mac Horvath, Levi Wells, Teddy Sharkey, and more. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So we start today with Adley Rutschman in the home run derby. Now, results wise, he didn't win it. And results wise, he did not get out of the first round. He was the number eight seed. They seeded by number of home runs in the first half. And he was facing off with Luis Robert Jr., who hit 26 bombs in the first half of the season. Adley was incredible. Yes, he lost to Luis Robert Jr., I think the final score was officially 28-27. to It always seems like the counting is off for these home run derbies. But the show Adley put on was insane. It started from the left side of the plate, with his dad, Randy Rutschman, pitching to him back in basically Adley's home MLB ballpark growing up. Grew up in Oregon, would go to Mariners games, had actually competed in a pitch, hit, and run competition they showed pictures of from 2006 that he was in at what was then Safeco Field, now T-Mobile Park. Really cool moment for Adley and his dad. Great story written by Andy Koska in the Baltimore Banner this week about you know how much the Rutschmans had just dreamed of this moment and how his dad had always pitched him BP and always thrown him kind of these mock home run derbies growing up. This was a cool moment. And Adley Rutschman, I think the official number was 27 homers that he hit. And that was even without the extra 30-second bonus. So you get the three minutes to hit. You get one timeout you can call. And then you get a break, you get an extra 30 seconds no matter what, and then you can get another 30 seconds if you hit two home runs over 440 feet. Unfortunately, Adley hit one at 445, didn't hit another one that distance, and so he didn't get those extra 30 seconds. But in three and a half minutes, 27 home runs was pretty impressive. Hit the first two pitches he got from his dad to start the round out to right field when he was hitting from the left side, went into a little lull, then picked it up late in the round, was hitting some absolute bombs into right field at T-Mobile Park. But here's the thing. The real show was in the bonus 30 seconds. So he finished, I believe, with 20 homers, I think was the number, after his regular round of three minutes, and he got his extra 30 seconds. And this is something I talked about on Twitter. This is something I talked about on the podcast Would Adley have a leg up because he's a switch hitter? He's the only switch hitter in the derby field. Actually, all seven other hitters were right-handed hitters. And I said, it's probably a little less tiring. Not crazy less tiring because you're still tired. But you can save a little more energy if you switch sides of the plate halfway through the round. Now, he didn't switch halfway through. But for his extra bonus 30 seconds, Adley switched around to the right side. And that was an incredible feat. He saw eight pitches from his dad, Randy Rutschman. He took eight swings in that 30-second bonus round. He hit seven home runs. It was absurdity to finish with the 27 bombs. That was an absolute show. And Adley hitting that last homer and kind of just spinning around and pimping it, watching it, walking off the field. Awesome moment. You saw Austin Hayes there along with Felix Bautista and Yenye Cano just – hyping Adley up, helping him out during his timeout. Great moment between Adley and his dad after they finished out the round. Just was really, really cool to see. And I still don't think it tops what Trey Mancini did in the Home Run Derby, which was just two years ago, come out there, coming back from cancer, and making it to the finals, only to be beat by the Home Run Derby robot, Pete Alonso, who couldn't win this one. But this was very cool from Adley Rutschman, and specifically what he did from the right side was just tremendous. He's got crazy pop from both sides. I get, listen, I get that he's only got 12 homers this year. You know, It's not like he's lighting the world on fire power-wise, but he's got serious pop from both sides of the bat, and he showed that off in the home run derby. And, you know, it was kind of the perfect storm, right? Because, yes, it would be amazing, amazing to see Adley Rutschman win the home run derby. But there's always those fears, and they're not exactly rooted in the greatest science of all time. But there's been some cases before where guys have taken a lot of swings in the home run derby and have kind of slumped coming out of the second half because of it. So for Adley, you get the best of both worlds. You get a really amazing, electrifying round. But he lost, and his derby was over after one round because Luis Robert was just on another level. Robert got to 28 homers basically just barely into his first 30-second bonus round. 27 was a very good number put up by Adley. Like, a very good number. Again, 27, that was fourth best of anybody in the first round. Robert got 28, and it was really no issue. Unfortunately, he did lose in the second round of the Derby tournament, but, yeah, tough break for Adley to have to go up against Luis Robert. I mean, Mookie Betts hit 11 homers, and him and Adley both went home at the same time. That stinks. However... Awesome to see Adley do it. Awesome to see him in the Home Run Derby. Can't wait to see him in the All-Star Game later tonight. But the big thing during the day on Monday for the Orioles was the MLB draft, as rounds 3 through 10 of the draft, day 2 of 3, commenced from Seattle. And the O's got some interesting picks on Monday. We're going to run down every pick the Orioles have made since they took Enrique Bradfield with the 17th overall pick in the first round On Sunday night, get you a mini scouting report on each player, what to expect from them, and then we'll get you ready, of course, for uh, day three of the draft and the All Star game on Tuesday night. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Now, I've talked about Game Time a lot on this podcast, and it is because it is legitimately now the only place I go when I want to buy last minute tickets. To an Orioles game. I live down the street from the stadium, I'm within walking distance, I can sometimes not even decide until the night of that I want to go to a game. and Game time makes that so, so easy to do. Buying tickets at the last minute, it's not stressful anymore because of game time. They've got these killer deals on last minute tickets and they've got a best price guarantee so you can get hype for the game and stop stressing about everything else. They've got deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. I've gone to multiple Orioles games this year where I've bought tickets on game time the day of, gotten one of their exclusive flash deals on the Orioles tickets, gone to the game, gotten the best price, and they show you where your seats are. And the tickets, you buy them in a matter of seconds. Two taps on the app, you're done, and they're sent directly to your phone. Don't have to dig through your email. Don't have to go to a separate app right there on your phone. Scan them at the gate. Go right into the ballpark. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So before Adley Rutschman put on his heroics that were unfortunately coming up a little short in the Home Run Derby on Monday night, the Orioles commenced Day 2 of the MLB draft. It was rounds 3 through 10, on Monday. But before we get to those guys, do have to break down the other guys that the Orioles picked up. Because we talked about on Monday's episode the Orioles first round pick. The speedy elite defensive outfielder in Enrique Bradfield Jr. that the Orioles took out of Vanderbilt on Sunday in the first round with the number 17 pick. We'll break down Enrique much further actually coming up on Thursday's episode this week. But I did kind of give you the scouting report on him already on Monday. If you missed it, make sure to go back and check out that episode. However, didn't talk about the two other picks that the Orioles had on Sunday night. So, let's start there. Their second round pick, which was the number 53 overall pick in the draft, they ended up taking Mac Horvath, who was kind of an infielder slash outfielder, right-handed hitter from UNC. Now, Horvath had an amazing year this year. One of the best players in the ACC. An 11.29 OPS for the Tar Heels became just the second player in North Carolina history to have 20 doubles, 24 or 20 homers and 20 stolen bases at least in a season and his 21 doubles 24 homers and 25 stolen bases combined was a new record in carolina history he showed the speed he showed the power he hit for average he was amazing but what really intrigues me about horvath is the defensive versatility now he came in as a shortstop to unc was pushed over to third base because he had a better shortstop recruit, played third base all of last year, played third base for half of this year. Then UNC's regular third baseman, who had been out for a while with injury, came back to the team. He went to third, but they couldn't take Horvath out of the order. They already had somebody at DH. So they move him into the outfield. And not only does he play right field well, he starts eight games in center field and plays that position pretty well too. So he's got the tools at the plate. He's got the tools in the field. He's versatile. This is a very Orioles pick, and I loved it in the second round. Next pick, competitive balance B round, the 63rd overall pick in the draft. And Mike Elias set a new record. The earliest pitcher he has ever taken in the MLB draft, it was Jackson Baumeister, a right-handed pitcher out of Florida State. Now, Baumeister, the ERA this year, might not look great, a 5.09 ERA. But the stuff is incredible from the right side. Struck out 12 batters per nine this season. He's got a fastball that's got a lot of ride, rides it up towards 97 and above. Good curveball, good slider. Both of those breaking balls are ridiculous. The changeup is probably the fourth pitch, but if we've seen anything from Orioles' pitching development the last three years, they can get you to have a good changeup. I think Baumeister is going to be that pitcher that the O's finally take. And I get 63rd overall wasn't the first-round pick, but it was still a really good pitching prospect. He was one of the top high school pitchers in the draft two years ago. He's a younger guy, less wear and tear on the arm. O's went pitcher. Hopefully everybody's happy about that. And that was kind of a theme here because then with their third round pick, their first pick of the day on Monday, 86 overall, they went with another pitcher, Kiefer Lord, the right-hander out of Washington. Now, Kiefer Lord is an incredible story. Jake Reel of MLB.com wrote a good story about him on Monday. Make sure to go check that one out. But Kiefer Lord had a 6.19 ERA at Washington this year. That doesn't look good. Now, remember, when I talk about these ERAs from these pitchers, college baseball offense was crazy inflated this year. So basically, if you're looking at any ERA, just chop off one run. And I get 5.19 still is great, but you can basically chop off one run from everybody's ERA. That's how good the hitters were. The ball was juiced. It was a crazy offensive environment. But Keith lord throws strikes. 78 strikeouts to just 17 walks this year. A Division III transfer went to this small, kind of academically known Division III school in the Midwest. And then he transfers to Washington and had a pretty incredible story. So during the pandemic... Kiefer Lord was set to go play college baseball at Division Three, but was just like, you know what? I got plenty of time to myself. Let me learn how to pitch even better. He basically taught himself how to use all of the advanced data, how to use all of the tracking systems, how to shape his pitches, how to tunnel his pitches, how to add velocity. This guy was throwing 77 in high school. He was topping out at 81 when he started doing this in the pandemic. His fastball was up to 99. This year at Washington, he added 18 miles per hour of velocity on his own without any professional coaching, just on his own during the pandemic. That makes you think right there. How much more projectable can he be? Already he's figured out the fastball. The Orioles can help him with the off speeds. This could be the steal of the draft right there in Kiefer Lord. Next up, Orioles had another third-round pick. It was actually the compensation pick they got for the fact that they were not able to sign their third-round pick, Nolan McClain, last year because he failed his physical. So the 100th overall pick, it was Tavion Josenberger. Now, that's a mouthful to say, but the center fielder from Arkansas, who is a switch hitter who found a little pop in the bat this year, had had one or two home runs each of the last couple of years, but hit 10 balls out this season, had a 904 OPS, Good leadoff hitter, table setter, flash some power, can hit from both sides, plays a great center field, transfer from Kansas, where interestingly enough, he actually played second base at Kansas and then came to Arkansas and went back to the outfield in center field. So defensive versatility as well. Mike Elias loves that and another just solid pick by the Orioles. Next up, their fourth round selection, number 118 overall. That was Levi Wells. You guessed it, another pitcher for the Orioles in the fourth round. Remember, the Orioles up to this year had not taken and signed a pitcher in the draft before the fifth round. They took three pitchers in the first four rounds this year. So hopefully you can get to see, okay, they are finally drafting some pitching. Levi Wells was this guy, right-handed pitcher out of Texas State. He was their lockdown ace Friday night guy in 2022, had a 3.07 ERA. His ERA jumped to 5.02 this year. But Levi Wells might have been the number one case of just, he didn't change, but the offensive environment and the ball and the bats in college changed. His walk rates were the same. His strikeout rates got better. His hit rates were the same. His home run rates were the same. Everything was the same, basically but his ERA jumped by two runs. I'm just chalking that up to the offensive environment. He's got a mid-90s fastball coupled with a curveball and kind of a cut slider. He's a Texas Tech transfer. He's been a workhorse for Texas State. Like this pick. Fifth round selection by the Orioles, number 154 overall. They went back to the hitters, the guys up the middle that they love to take. It's the outfielder Jake Cunningham out of Charlotte. Now, Cunningham had a really good year this year. 16 homers to go along with 16 stolen bases. Had over 1,000 OPS, right handed hitter. Huge guy, right? Like 6'4, 200 plus, built up. Looks kind of like the body of like Mike Trout out there in the outfield. This guy, though, is like the one of the data darlings of the draft. The exit velocities are crazy, like insane for his age. Hits everything hard, drives the ball for home runs, for extra base hits. And also is athletic enough with that body, kind of has like that linebacker build, that more like strong safety build, where he can play the outfield well defensively in all three positions. Now, he did dislocate his ankle last offseason. So for about the first month of this year, he missed some time. He wasn't playing great. So that's why his numbers were down initially. But he picked it up immediately, ended up having a great year, and the O's able to scoop him up. Saw a lot of good things from some very analytically-minded draft experts saying great things about Jake Cunningham. But those are the top five round picks for the Orioles. Round six through ten, though, were also on Monday. And coming up next to finish off the pod, we'll take a look at who those five selections were for the Orioles on day two of the 2023 MLB draft. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Now, sometimes in life, we are faced with tough choices. And the path forward isn't always clear. It's, it can be tough to make large life decisions. For me, it was tough. You know, do I stay full time with Broadcasting, how much podcast, how much broadcast do I do, trying to get another full-time job, there's tough decisions there. Whether you're dealing with decisions around your career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement. And I'm someone who has benefited from therapy for a long time, and it can help you as well. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on MLB to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on MLB. So back here to finish up, recapping day two of the MLB draft for the Orioles. Talked about the guys they picked through round five. Now we'll start with their sixth round selection. Pick number 181. Guess what? It's another pitcher. Jacob Cravey was the pick, the right-handed pitcher out of Samford. Cravy had an amazing year this year. Samford was a team who put together a great season in the Southern Conference, went to the NCAA tournament, and also or almost, I should say, pulled off a Cinderella run to get to the Super Regionals. He was the Southern Conference Pitcher of the Year, 3-1-0 ERA, one of the top innings eaters in college baseball with 105 innings, fastball at 94, good slider, good changeup, pitched really well against Auburn in the regional, helped them pull that upset. He is just, uh, he's been good in his college career. He's just a really good, strong potential back end of the rotation guy in the big leagues that they picked up in the sixth round. Seventh round selection might have been my favorite of the day by the Orioles. In the seventh round, another pitcher, pick number 211, they took Teddy Sharkey, the right-handed reliever out of Coastal Carolina. Now, Sharkey has been a reliever for a while, and he was Coastal Carolina's closer this year. Just go look up video of Teddy Sharkey saves. He is maybe the most electric closer in all of college baseball. The celebrations, the screaming, he's built a little different. But he goes crazy on the mound after any save, especially when he ends it with a strikeout. It's a lot of energy on the mound, puts a lot of it into his pitches, and then lets it out when he gets the job done. And he has the stats to back it up. Sharkey, a 2.90 ERA, 13.4 Ks per nine this season. He's run his fastball up to 95 miles an hour. It's a high spin, high spin efficiency, up in the zone fastball. Pairs it with this big overhand curveball that nobody can seem to hit. Drops it in there for a called strike a lot of the times. And then a tighter slider that gets a lot of swings and misses by righties. He's fun to watch. He's probably going to stay a reliever, but that's a guy who could move up to the big league's Quickly, and I mean quickly, with the O's taking him in the seventh round. Eighth rounder pick number 241 was Braxton Bragg. Now, don't go looking up who the other Braxton Bragg is, who unfortunately he may be named after. However, he's had a really good college career. Right-handed pitcher, another pitcher, out of Dallas Baptist University, DBU, 419 ERA this season, about 10 strikeouts, and just two walks per nine. He throws a lot of strikes, does not walk guys in the 86 innings he threw this season. Throws a sinker at about 93, goes with a slider and a changeup as well, and was actually a transfer from Nebraska. And funny enough, he was Cade Povich's roommate and teammate At Nebraska, when Povich was at Nebraska before the Twins drafted him, Bragg was there, and they were roommates. Povich was fired up on Twitter to see the Orioles draft Bragg. So you have Kobe Mayo and Enrique Bradfield, who were youth ball teammates, played on the same 11U team. And then you have Bragg and Povich, who were teammates and roommates in college. Ninth round, pick number 271. Orioles go with another pitcher. Everybody's asking. You got to get more pitching in the system. Got to load up on pitching. We got enough hitters. The O's did that on day two of the draft. The pitcher, another great name, Zach Fruit. That's right. They've got Sharky and they've got Fruit in the day two of the draft. Look fun on jerseys, at least. Zach Fruit is a right-handed pitcher out of Troy. Troy who was up to 97 this year. Zach Fruitt, a really interesting story. Joe Doyle had a cool write-up on him uh, in kind of his draft coverage. Now, it's fastball slider, change-up, curveball, but he's an interesting story. So it has a 6.46 ERA in 70 innings this year as a starter at Troy. 12 strikeouts per nine, very good. Six walks per nine is a disaster. That means he's basically walking the farm every time he goes out there. But he's had an interesting career where he spent two years in junior college, Then he transferred to Eastern Michigan University, a Division I program, but not really known for their baseball team. And he pitched really well at EMU the last two years and was draft eligible each year. His fastball was in the low 90s. He had good secondary stuff. And it seemed like people couldn't figure out why not only Fruit wasn't drafted, but he was never even signed as an undrafted free agent, especially after last year, after his senior year. So he said, you know what? I got another year of eligibility. Why not? Let me go in the portal. Let me transfer. He goes to a better program at Troy. And while his numbers got a little bit worse in terms of the ERA, the strikeouts were still there and the stuff got better. His fastball apparently went up from like 93 to 97 this year. The stuff looked crisper. The O's will try to get the walks out of him because those were a problem. But he's a nice kind of lottery ticket pick in the ninth round. And the Orioles' 10th round selection, their final pick on day two of the draft on Monday. Pick number 301 of the draft is the outfielder Matthew Etzel out of Southern Miss. Two years after they took Reed Trimble out of Southern Miss, the Orioles get Etzel, a left handed hitter who's truly like a table setting contact leadoff guy. Hit 317 this year with an 853 OPS, stole 23 bags as well. He's just contact, contact, contact. I mean, he does not swing and miss a whole lot. He puts the ball in play all the time. Another junior college transfer who, yeah, maybe isn't going to give you like the giant exit velocity numbers, not going to hit for a lot of power, but he gets on base and specifically he puts everything in play, kind of a different player than you'll generally see the Orioles draft, but a fun different for Matthew Etzel and we'll see what the O's can do with him in their hitting lab. But, that's a wrap on day two of the draft for the Orioles. Day three coming up today, starting at 2 p.m., the final 10 rounds, of the draft rounds 11 through 20. This is where you're really looking for some serious value at the end of the draft, if you can get it. And we'll see what the Orioles are able to do in rounds 11 through 20 and then i'll be back on the podcast tomorrow recapping every pick that the o's make in day three of the draft and also recapping the all-star game here on tuesday night austin hayes starting the game starting in center field i can count on one hand how many games he started in center this year for the orioles and he'll be starting in center field in the all-star game he's batting seventh for the american league team that'll be fun to watch Adley Rutschman would be coming off the bench behind the plate, and we should see Yenye Kano and Felix Bautista pitch out of the American League's bullpen in tonight's All-Star Game. I'll recap how all four Orioles did and talk about rounds 11 through 20 of the draft coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been a Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.